Good morning, it's July 30th. We're reading through the Bible in a year. These Psalms, like yesterday's Psalms, are set in a context of difficulty. David is in this first Psalm calling his enemies dogs. There are people that are out to kill him and he has this sense of frustration over their advancement and yet he knows from God's perspective as we saw in Psalm 2, he is holding them in derision. They are not friends of God going after David. Of course, they're enemies of David and enemies of God. And that derision talked about in Psalm 2 is repeated here that God laughs at these enemies. They, they can't prevail. There's no pride that they have the right to express or hubris that they have the right to feel because they are not going to win. They're on the wrong side of this because God is against them. David is made to wait, the end of Psalm 59, reminding us of so much of the Christian life, the uh, waiting process of seeing God uh, step in and solve the problem. We always are very uh, impatient, it seems, wanting God to solve the problems right now, but of course there's so much in the Christian life to remind us that there is waiting involved and patience that is needed, that fruit of the Spirit. Uh, psalm 60 is a psalm of discipline. It is a stinging reminder of God's discipline and treating us, as Hebrews 12 says, as his sons. Uh, he speaks of rejecting us, the people, and the discipline that God was invoking on the nation. But remember that uh, as the prophets were quick to remind them, he has not rejected us completely. There's always a remnant, and that is spoken of in this passage of those who fear you and uh, asking again through the psalmist to find help. And uh, that great cry of repentance and confession to God when there is sin and when there is difficulty and when we're experiencing the weight of the consequences of our own sin. Psalm 61, you'll see, is another Psalm of David. And like other Psalms we've seen, we think this might be a dedication to David because either that or he's speaking of himself in the third person at the end of this Psalm, speaking of uh, the king and saving the king and hearing the king and watching over the king. And all those things, of course, uh, relate to him unless this is dealing with his son, uh, referencing Solomon, or whether at the end of David's life, the very end, future king, or whether this is a reference to himself in the third person, or whether this is a psalm that has been dedicated to David. Either way, it brings up a topic of vows, which I wish we had time to expand upon, but the idea of promising to God certain things, uh, not in a manipulative way to try and say this is a quid pro quo, I'm going to do this, God, for you if you do this for me, but the idea of saying, God, I want this to happen and I'm willing to say I'm going to sacrifice this offering or give this thing or give up this thing in the process of requesting these things of you. You see this throughout the Psalms and throughout the Old Testament and even into the New Testament in certain parts of Acts. Speaking of Acts, we've reached the end of the book of Acts today, Acts chapter 28, the second half. Paul is under house arrest and the great thing is here, as he says later in his epistles, the whole Praetorian Guard, the Imperial Guard, is hearing the gospel. It says many people in this passage are coming to see him as he's under house arrest. He's got his own quarters there. He writes lots of things here from Rome in prison. This is his first uh, Roman imprisonment. There'll be another uh, we'll deal with elsewhere in the New Testament as we look back on uh, Paul's life. But right now we just know that this is a time where the book of Acts comes to an end, even though this is not the end of the story, which is um, even providential that God would give us a book where the Acts of God's work in evangelism through people in church history was going to continue, and it's continued now for 2,000 years. But I hope this reading of Acts has been helpful for you and encouraging for you, motivating for you. Our community imperative is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 32 and 33. 
He speaks of giving no offense, Paul does, to Jews or Greeks or to the church of God. Now, the context is him being all things to all men and wanting to win some. He's already brought that up in the book of 1 Corinthians. We passed over that as we were kind of working uh, selectively through these epistles to find these community imperatives. But as he goes on to say that in verse 33, he wants to see people saved. He adds that phrase there, or to the church of God. And so I just want to pick up on that. Whenever possible, here's the community imperative. Whenever possible, try not to offend each other. That's not just something we do for the sake of evangelism. It's something we do for the sake of fellowship. And I think that's a good community imperative to say, today I'm going to say, as far as I'm not uh, in any way compromising God's truth or God's word, I am going to seek to not offend someone unnecessarily. We've seen the examples in the book of 1 Corinthians regarding people that had certain scruples or certain uh, weak consciences about this or that. Paul was not going to flaunt his liberties. And I think there's so many subcategories to this, but the good upper 30,000 foot principle is I'm just, I don't want to offend anybody in the Christian uh, body of Christ today. I don't want to offend my brothers and sisters in Christ. So I'm going to live with that kind of circumspect, thoughtful, self-evaluating lifestyle of saying, I don't want to offend people in the body of Christ. So there's our community imperative. We'll be back tomorrow as we start the great book of Romans and as we continue our reading through the Psalms.